When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is... My pleasure to be with you on a Balls McWednesday. Already? I'm going to fly by this week. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew in the house. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Some thoughts on yesterday's lackluster scrimmage that produced a little bit of ire from the head coach, understandably. Florida State's loss last night to Florida, 6-3 there. Uh, Stupid one-offs. Those series don't get to see good on good. Pisses me off, especially when we lose. <laughs> uh, so there's there, there's that. There's the football-related stuff. We've got NFL rules changes and the like. Some picks later in the show next hour because, man, here we are. Hey, did you see the news? I mean, this, is, this, this crosses um, really the sports genre and more into uh, everybody's human interest and all that. Tiger flying into Augusta yesterday, had the world of golf and elsewhere uh, excited. And uh, we'll see if he's going to play. Of course, the news out of Tallahassee, uh, Coach Krikorian deciding to ride out. I thought the way that played out, very interesting, in that uh, my man sent an email to about 15 different reporters, and it was not through the university that he made the announcement that uh, he'd be moving on down the road. Didn't didn't use the word retirement, just stepping away. And uh, and I would say that um, he noted that money was not the issue because, and we'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. Yesterday, Tom and I were at football practice, and uh, this is all breaking as within an hour of practice, hour and a half of practice starting. And so the assembled press, many of whom we – call friends, whether they work at WarChan or not, we're all abuzz, as one would be. This man is uh, the most successful coach uh, amongst the coaching staff. Uh, And I'm talking about the entirety of the athletic department. This is a guy who is a reigning national champion. And and you don't usually see those folks decide, yep, I'm going to ride. And then if they do, you think immediately, well, money? You, you know, you kind of lean towards money or you lean towards perhaps, I don't know, scandal of something. Like, is something coming down the pike that I don't know about and all of that other stuff? So, you know, everybody's got their antennas up is the whole thing. Everybody's trying to figure out what's what and why because it isn't normal 
for a coach to win a national championship, and it's not his first, uh, to be the reigning champion and decide to walk away. And so uh, I think you, you look bigger picture about FSU's athletic department. Everybody's super sensitive when where money is, is, you know, questioned frequently. Like how much of it or not does Florida State have in order to compete? And so when you lose a coach of that stature, you think, man, they're not even going to pay a, a national champion or – you know, a, a guy that has taken basically this program and built it from scratch into the preeminent program in, in the entirety of the sport in the country. You know, it's like if they don't win it, they're playing for it every year. It's insane, right? And so that, I went to bed worried about that in a way. Not not, not losing sleep, but thinking, man, are they as, they're broker than I thought? They can't pay the soccer coach? Are they doing the body fat test on yeah, pennies? Yeah. Is that like, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, what's going on here? I'm told that's not it, and he did allude to that and say that it wasn't it. Now, I, that, sometimes that's just like a nice gesture or a way of saying that's exactly what it is. That's what I took it as. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times. But I'm told that it was a very generous offer. Yeah. <laughs> as in, yeah, right. Yeah, thanks for playing. Yeah, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I am told that is not it at all. Uh, I'll just tell you that. Now, people might want to debate me on this, and they may have other sources that tell them something different. I don't know. I feel pretty good about mine, and I'm going to tell you that I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a that's a different sort of deal. Um, and you never know; there are relationship dynamics in everything, uh, all walks of life. You can't always know who gets along with whom, and why, and if it's if there's irreparable damage done or distrust. Or it could be just at times a desire for something new, a different challenge. You know, I immediately also thought, Tom, if it's not that, then maybe it is. Uh, perhaps it's something to do with uh, an opportunity to take over the national team or something like that. He's had the kind of success where you would not be out of bounds and guessing that that guy has opportunities to to be head of it all. In the United States. Oh, sure, or across right. the globe, considering all the relationships he's formed Correct. with how many different Correct. countries worth of players. So you would think that their programs, their club programs, the feeder ones, would take great interest and pass up the line. That Absolutely. This guy makes our players better when they go over to the States and play in Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. so I, there were a lot of angles that to be taken here. I just know that the world was uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, everybody was looking around at each other like, what in the world is happening here? But yeah, we were watching stretches yesterday, and I felt like I took a gut punch. I was like, what in the hell? Well, you know. Is this whole thing about to be gutted? First, it's Deckerhoff. Sue's gone. <laughs> there goes Krikorian. Well, everybody starts connecting. We're changing us. our colors. But remember this. Remember this, too. There's there's something about the fact that it, I kind of always felt like, now this is just an aside, I kind of always felt like once the changes began, they would happen wholesale, primarily because – most of our coach, you go back a few years, there was a stretch there where we were like, yeah, every one of our coaches have been there for 30 years. Like, we, we're not getting rid of anybody. If you have any success at all, you're here for life. Much to the chagrin of some in our fan base. So it was kind of like, you know, would you be – this summer, Leonard Hamilton turned 74. Coming up, 74. Now, he looks great. He looks 44. He looks 54, whatever you want to say. 74-74. You wouldn't be stunned if coming up next year or the year after, it's his last year. Why? You know, I mean, it's not. It's abnormal for somebody with that 
despite the the, the young looking uh, appearance, to to want to have to put the kind of energy in you do to run a program at this level. You know, it's not shocking to find out somebody might want to walk away. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying he wouldn't be surprised by it. Gene Deckeroff doing a Florida State game on a Saturday, turning around, flying out of town, clear across the country, Bucks, Seattle, or whatever. Man, that's not easy. That is taxing. That's taxing on me, let alone somebody his age. That's taxing on you. That's just hard. Yeah, that Minnesota trip was kind of BS. It's, like, oh, it's, a, it's a bit rough. It's now not- he's been doing it for as long as he's been doing it. Right. And so... You're not stunned to find out that one day he wakes up and goes, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. It's been a great run. I've, you know, he's been smart with his money. I'm assuming, uh, you know, I've achieved everything I've wanted to achieve. I've called every imaginable important moment in Florida State football. Yeah, he's not getting paid ten dollars an hour. You know, so and he still had the year left with the Bucks. So you're not shocked to hear that. Sue simmerow has been here for a very long time. I remember interviewing her. Year one, so I'm breaking into the business, and she's coming here as a coach. She had already been a coach, Northern Illinois. Then she comes here. She's been in the game a long time. There's, you know, we, it's it's no secret. Her mom had health issues. Step away from the game for a year. Former player Brooke Wyckoff, who had a great career here, I remember it very well. Stepped in admirably. You're like, okay, this makes sense. I'll call it a day. She leaves. You again. You look at Krikorian is not. Old, but he ain't young. He's accomplished everything there is to accomplish here. I'm not saying that he's retiring. I am saying that I thought when the dominoes began to fell with uh, amongst the coaches at Florida State, it would feel overwhelming because I feel like almost by definition, in succession, there would be four or five people out of the mix, new people in the mix within a three-year span. That uh, It seemed to all make sense to me, that, that we would all be like, whoa, whirlwind of activity. Throw in a new athletic director who's going to do things the way he wants to do them, and that might not always rub people the right way. This, however, was presented very clearly to the public that it was not um, mutually agreed upon the way that the Krikorian era was going to end. If he personally reaches out to the media, that tells you that there is conflict of some sort. It's reasonable to assume. Otherwise... People are weeping as there's a goodbye farewell press Correct. conference They'll all standing together. Holding him on high. There's a garnered gold watch issued to him with yeah. three stars in it, you know? Yeah. No, no, agreed. I clearly there's something up in this specific instance. Um something to note here, uh, and and this is and and people will apply this now to the situation with Coach Coach Krikorian. You also have a new president, by the way, so there's a lot going on at the university. But I want to point something out because I think it's going to matter moving forward. Very important context real quick, though. Remember, there's also new outfield walls at Dickhauser Stadium. Thank God. Yeah, but add that to the list. I think mm. that's the most significant move. Thank new God. New president, athletic director, nothing. What about those outfield walls? Lipstick on a pig. So here's what I tell you, uh, and I thought about this. It's a good thing, but it will re- likely, maybe already has, don't know, don't know. It will lead to some power struggles and conflict. It will. Florida State, for the first time since Dave Hart left, was forced out, has a real athletic director with power who's been emboldened and been told that there is a chain of command and he has a job to do. Now, I don't want to offend family and friends of previous athletic directors, But that job was not similar 
to other athletic directors' jobs around the country in the Power Five in that they didn't have the same sorts of autonomy and real power that other athletic directors had at other locations in the Power Five. The way that Florida State's booster situation was set up, um, we, we all know Andy Miller had more power than the athletic director, period. There were You could make an argument, I could, that at certain stretches of time, Andy Miller had more power than the president of the university. That's how much power he had. Now, this athletic director, along with the shift in the way the athletic department and the boosters work together, leads to an athletic director having the kind of power that those aforementioned athletic directors at other Power 5 universities are uh, used to having. And so now all of a sudden, there are going to be times where a coach of a program is going to think one way about a situation. An athletic director is going to have a different view of that situation, and maybe they sit down and work it out. Maybe it leads to a divide. Maybe it leads to somebody wanting to leave. Maybe it leads to somebody being fired. Maybe it leads to, uh, obviously, some sort of conflict. And that's normal in athletic departments. It is. That's normal at any job place where you might not see eye to eye with your immediate supervisor. You may say, I think we're going about this the wrong way. The key is that you're pulling in the same direction, that all of you want the same things. Ultimately, you may disagree about how to get there. You may disagree about how the funds are allocated and who gets what and why and what is the impetus for that change? As long as we're all agreeing that we're going over here, that we this is the goal ultimately for us. Because you can live with that conflict. In fact, I think that people in positions of power would like to surround themselves with competent, hardworking, in many cases even smarter individuals than themselves. Great leadership is certainly surrounding yourself with people like that, and you want their input. You want them to be able to say, now, Jeff or whomever, have you considered this? Or that might be a mistake, and you don't take offense to that. You don't take umbrage to that. You, you aren't insecure enough to worry about that. It's so long as that person and you, even if you disagree on this point, are pulling in the same direction. And so I just, I just, I'm only observing that I think there will be some hiccups and some bumps in the road. And I am not saying that this specifically is one of those. I don't know the intricate details of that situation. You're right to point out, and it is self-evident, that if the three-time national champion, reigning national champion coach of your soccer program abruptly decides to leave and does not issue a statement channeled through the university, but rather emailed to 15 different reporters instead... Uh, there was a problem. (laughs) Not everything was peachy. Clearly there's an issue of some kind. What that specific issue is, I do not know or certainly can't say. I don't know. Um, you'll hear a lot of things in the weeks to come, I'm sure. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating, uh, dynamic for Florida State right now because they finally have, I think, a legitimate, a legitimate chain of command. Well, there's two questions I think most people are asking um, after the way this was handled. Is there somebody who's next on the list? Is this a cleaning house in the athletic department? And is money an issue specific to the Krikorian? This is not, in my estimation, 
a cleaning of uh, cleaning of the house. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that there is going to lead to mass exodus. I think the timing certainly promotes that question. Uh, you know, because you could say, "Well, that's interesting." Sue Simarau decides to retire abruptly, and now Krikorian is gone, right on the heels of an athletic director being named. That seems more than a coincidence. Could also just be a coincidence. Could just be the Sue had. Served her time, had an incredibly successful career, has made enough money certainly to retire, had a, uh, a, a family emergency this past year that's very public. I'm not speaking out of school. And she decides to step down. With Krikorian, though, the question would be specifically, that was the second part of what I was saying, is are we lowballing a three-time national champion? Is that how broke we are? No. Because that's how you started the segment, you know, speculating, are, are we that broke? I, that's that, I thought that that was the immediate speculation that arose from the announcement he was leaving, was we all, as Knowles, let's talk as Knowles for a second, assumed that our program, athletic programs, the totality of what we're speaking of here, was in shambles to the point where we would let a three-time national champion walk over a dispute over a hundred grand, two hundred grand, right? No, that in my mind, from what I've been told and what I've come to understand, is not the issue. It was not that the university would not pay the man his money. That's important. It's important. So it has to be something else. And if it's something else that's interesting to me, it's why I ventured down the road that I just did, because it is only natural, I think, when you go through these kinds of changes in the higher-ups, that there are going to be bumps in the road or disagreements, and it's a new way of doing things. It's a dawn of a new day. No, Listen, you get, uh, you get to a place where um, you know, you're, you're conditioned to do things a certain way. You're very comfortable doing things a certain way. If there's change, uh, humans reject change by and large. They push back on change. All of us do. And um, you know, they, they talk about adapt or die and all those other things. This is an interesting situation because if I'm just surface level having this conversation with you, Tom, I would just tell you this. It's one thing to say, okay, well, we have a new world order here, and Michael Alford actually has power for once. We have an athletic director who can wield some. And, uh, and, and maybe he and the soccer coach have a disagreement. Don't know if they did or didn't. But let's say they do. Well, guess what? The soccer coach also has power because he's a three-time national champion, and he would get hired tomorrow by any program in the country. So all of a sudden, you've got uh, both wielding. Mm-hmm. So it's not one side uh, that decides to unsheath. And so it is that you have, oh, I'll see you're unsheathing with one of my own. Well, what do we have here? Well, okay, this is an issue then. And uh, who knows? Who knows? Because there are options. Now there are options. This is, is Usually we don't read about these things where there are options. The thing that, that I like hearing is twofold. Number one, if in fact... You know, the whispers that you've heard that money is not an issue as it relates to Krikorian's departure, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the thing I like hearing is chain of command, that we actually have a healthy line of command from the president through an empowered, empowered athletic director twofold from the president's side and also holds the purse strings in a way that the athletic director has not a long time. That's good. Mm -hmm. I'd like to operate with a vertical chain of command. Correct. People know who to report to. That sounds fundamental. Well, we weren't living by the fundies for a long time around here. So those are two good things. Number three, I'll say to you and share to you what I said in the practice fields yesterday. You better not be coming for Lonnie. I swear. Don't you dare. Nobody's I'll coming for anybody. This is Because, you, you're you, again, you're just looking for dominoes. If the dominoes stop here, then we good. We good. <laughs> Don't you take my softball. I swear. 
Listen, I don't think anybody's coming for anybody about the the money or anything like that. I don't I don't think that's uh, I know verbiage uh, phrasing Jeff. I don't I don't think that anybody is after anybody's job right now. Right. I don't think anybody's coming after well, anybody that In way. the fog of the moment when we were walking in watching stretches in and here fog of war yes. everybody yesterday. You're here in the war chant, the yeah, guys are you know yeah. the whistles are blowing and they're kind of marching up and down yeah, the yeah, field getting yeah. ready to go into drills that so you're thinking, "Oh my god, where does it end?" Yeah, it's it's fascinating. There are I, I think for one one thing that's omnipresent, uh, and we'll go to break. One thing that persists amongst the fan base and their in the collective worry of Florida State fans and alumni and boosters and supporters of any kind everywhere is that all of us are absolutely right to be concerned that we are not amongst the elite. Uh, across athletic departments, and is and are anybody really in in the ACC? So you can be poached until there is a more equitable distribution. I'm not demanding that we steal from the SEC and the Big Ten and make them. I'm not saying that. I'm saying until the contract with the AC, television contract with the ACC, and ESPN or anybody else. That wants to set up streaming rights, and we've seen these deals all over. Read the Sports Business Journal. There's one. There's a new one every day. That's the new world order over there, selling streaming and all that other stuff. Until the ACC can get in the same damn arena as the SEC and the Big Ten, you are susceptible, all of your coaches, of being poached by the money runoff that the SEC and the Big Ten has. So if it takes one athletic director to decide, I am damn tired of being impotent when it comes to softball. Every year I look up and there's Florida State and Oklahoma battling it out to see who's the best program in the country and throw in a couple of others, right? And I'm tired of it. You know why? My wife played softball at Ohio State and my daughter is currently playing softball in the Big Ten and damn it, we shouldn't suck at softball. And you know what? We've got more money than God. Go get Lonnie Alameda. She wins, and they don't have a damn thing at Florida State. So let's go take her. That could easily happen. Hey, now. No, no, no. Don't you speak (laughs) that. Don't you speak it. (laughs) I'm saying it takes one guy. Listen here, athletic office. Inside Doak Campbell Stadium, you make her comfortable. You do what you need to do. We like we like excellence so, spread out over the calendar. There's only so much you can do. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if Texas A&M tomorrow decided they wanted to win at softball, they're tired of this nonsense, they would overpay Lonnie Alameda or anybody else who they deem in that category to come and win in softball. Coach Kikori could probably name his price. What's he making? Four hundred grand. He could probably he could two million dollars. It takes one overzealous nut job with more money than sense to say, you know what? I'm tired of losing at women's soccer. Why do we suck at women's soccer? If I'm Southern Cal, why do I suck at women's soccer? UCLA kicks ass every year. Hell, Santa Barbara and these other slapdick programs that we never we have no chance to be. They win all the time. We don't win a thing. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You overpay and bring her in. Sorry. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jeff Kevin 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV. It is uh, my pleasure to be here on a Balls McWednesday. Hope this finds you doing well. Doing excellent. Stupendously well. Everybody doing great. Woo! Hey, Eric. Thanks, man. Appreciate your contribution to what it is we do here on the Jeff Cameron Show. 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. He writes, Go Knowles. Sending my contribu- contribution to my favorite podcast, guys, Jeff and Tom, JCS Show, Drinks on Me. All right, Friday it is. I already deemed Friday Tall Boy Friday. Tom, you can and use this uh, little contribution from our friend Eric and go down to the uh, Hogly Wogly. Oh, roll go. in right. here with some Tall Boys, baby. It's a small cooler, but it's very cold at the Hogly Wogly. Do we still any Hogly Woglies around? They still kicking? I think I see them on the way home to uh, Palm Harbor. See my folks. A little hoggly woggly, like piggly you know, wiggly dispute. Chiefland Cross City hoggly woggly action. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. We'll see you for some beverages uh, next Friday at the happy hour. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's. Where do you want to go? I guess that's up to me. I could. I could go to six to three. We lose last night uh, to Florida. Toronto beating Boston last night. <laughs> TD Garden. You want to go there? Yeah. Yeah. I got thoughts. Uh, boy. Did we have did we, did, what happened with the wager the other night? It was Monday? bad. It was bad. It didn't did, happen. Did it but that's up? why I said very minute amount. Take some chances. Those chances did not pay. Was it like a six to one beatdown? Ah, uh, yeah. Actually, one of them precisely. I thought I saw that. I think it was thirteen to two. Was the uh, combined combined score? score. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. no, it didn't go it well didn't at work. all. That's sometimes okay. it sometimes it kicks back on you. Hey. At the end of the show, so stay tuned, everybody. You know how I'm wearing out my friends at Prize Picks, wearing them out. They're tired of me. They're like, who is this Jeff Cameron character in Tallahassee, and why are we paying him? He's killing us. So I, uh, I've i got some pro- – the numbers are wrong again. The numbers are wrong again for the Valero Texas Open. I'm all over it, all over it, and I'm ready to go. That's one idea to pull back the curtain that uh, I talked to prize picks about. I said, hey, if you like a day of the week, Wednesday ahead oh, of a PGA event Cameron's is your day. You. He's killing you. <laughs> that's the day. Now, it's going to be like Jacksonville State. You're going to pay him to beat you, Oh, but that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, a, a, a game that um, the three and the fifth was uh, is is what did it for the Knowles uh, to fall six to three there. Um, you know, I would just say this. That game didn't bother me the way that some games in this series in the past have. And by the way, meets like eight and three now against rivals, so it's not like he's steady been losing to them. Um, but this one didn't bother me because we were one of nine with runners in scoring position. And baseball is a game where that happens, where you don't get a big hit in crucial moments and you lose because of it, or you hit the ball on the head and somebody tracks it down not once but twice in the alley near the wall. You're yeah. like, all right, man. Well, good contact, drove the ball, worked the count to get into a position to drive the ball. Did something with it when you you know when you got a chance to, for contact when you were sitting red, 
and uh, it was at somebody. So I'm going to live with that. I'm going to live with that. They left 11 guys on base. Yeah, yeah. Well, but with a lot of hard hit balls scattered throughout, it's just at the wrong time. You know, because even the ones that landed, again, at the wrong time. Um, the the thing that frustrated me is obviously you got some shakiness fielding the baseball, throwing the baseball, and then the situation. It, I know it's early, but it's one nothing. It's o two, nobody on. Like I just hate those situations. And then you got a guy scoring. You know, basically five pitches later, that that'll hurt your feelings a little bit. O yeah. two bases empty, two out. I mean, you know, those tend to haunt you. As does in the ninth inning. It's or bottom of the eighth. It's over. When you, it's a two-run game, a wild nobody's on, and it's a little league home run over the over the span of five pitches because you have a two-base error followed by a couple of wild pitches. We I only mean, made two errors on the game, and I, I understand what you're saying. That but that every- run feels like a backbreaker because you had shrunk it down to five three. There might be a little bit more game pressure, but it just it's hard to amass that third run after it for no reason should that run ever cross the plate. Yeah, we would have just lost five to three. Uh, I, I, yeah, I understand what you're well, saying. One guy on, and you're thinking, okay, and yeah. let's see what happens. Yeah, the meat grinder one. here. Yeah, I'm not as worried about it. It's a midweek affair that drives me nuts. It was two to two going into the fifth. Um, if they had five airs and looked scared, when we were in the midst of those losing streaks against Florida, man, there were games where you're like, you're scared to death. Look at them; they're just waiting for somebody to make a mistake for this thing to fall apart. That even happened back when we were up six to nothing in one of the games. That's not how this game is played now. Yeah. That's the back and forth. It's a good game. It's a midweek game. It's ruined by the fact that it's a midweek game. They need to stop doing the nonsense. We need to get into series where my ace faces your ace and my two faces your two and my three faces your three because I think that's Florida's ass if that happens on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. But that's not what happens. It's a one-off Tuesday, throw it over in Jacksonville, and then a one-off Tuesday in Florida and one-off Tuesday here. It's stupid. Wouldn't you be okay with them doing the three games in sequence and then just have it in different towns each day? Make it like a carnival. Well, it's they, a traveling they do show. do that. I think South Carolina and Clemson yeah. does that. Right. So tally still, one night, Jayville. I, I guess it's better than what they do here, but I still don't like it. I still don't like it. I would love, and it would be good for both programs. It would be great for college baseball, at least in the state. Just Can we get back to the four-game series? What's so hard about Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? That's the way we used to do it. I had the great fortune many moons ago. I bring it up every time I bring up the, the four-game series. Uh, the, the late, great Lee Bowen, who hired me, I got to do color with him. Brett Groves had a towering grand slam in Gainesville that uh, is still traveling, and I stomped on his call and he got mad at me. But, lesson learned, nonetheless, I had the good fortune of doing that as a color analyst. The point would be that the intensity of those series – is so far beyond this one-off nonsense where you treat it pretty much like a midweek game and you're not throwing anybody that's amongst your aces, and this is what happens. I hate that. Yeah, I hear you, but at this point, now I'm a little angry at you. You know why? <laughs> because few people have the bat phone quite like you do uh-huh. to make something happen. Sure. I've, I've With 11, made... there was like, you'd be like, oh, hi, Jeff, what are you calling for? With me, you'd be like, yeah, what? Yeah. Hey, buddy, what's the deal? Do I need to call O'Sullivan? What's the deal here? Yeah, I have waited. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's frustrating. It's um, what are you gonna do? Uh, I would love for Florida State to uh, to have the oppor- opportunity uh, to to play a series against them and and get back to it the way it once was. Let it be the week of finals that he that he was mad about in the preseason interview or whatever. There is your time right there. I know they wouldn't be afraid, especially if Meek called down there and he said, what, are you afraid? Play three days in a row? Let's do it. ACC won't let us do it during finals week. Let's go. You and me. Alternate the years. Three in a row. Home and home. 
What was our? Did we sweep four last year? What was that? Or was it two and one? Uh, no, we swept. I'm pretty sure we, we swept, swept both rivals, we right? Sw- yeah, we swept Florida last year. Yeah. Uh, it might have been two. I don't know that they played in the baseball grounds last year. I forget. I Pandemic is a funny thing like I just that. Knew that. Very fuzzy. I just knew that Meat was whatever he was, eight and two against the rivals coming, yeah. in, coming into that game last year. But the night. thing is, I like the Jacksonville atmosphere. It's always bustling. I want to go to one of those. I've been to one of those. Ira thinks it's great. A lot of people do. I, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, that is that is harsh. <laughs> Ira thinks it's great. <laughs> I don't. That is the most transparent code for he's wrong, or you know what? Driving I, over to freaking Jacksonville. <laughs> with there those, it is. It's the drive. That's not just the drive. I could drive two hours down to Gainesville too, but it's just it. I, I, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Obviously, the money grab in Jacksonville is great, and you know. I would like the series to be the series. What if the only way they did it was they played three in Jacksonville? Would you agree to it? Or would you say, no, I'd rather keep it the way it is? If, uh, say that again, I'm the sorry. The only way they'd agree to it is if it's three in Jacksonville. I'd be better off with that, yeah. A weekend series in Jacksonville, Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday? Sure. you do it? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Anything to get rid of this current nonsense. It How about is- Orlando? Three, three <laughs> games in Orlando. Yeah, you're pushing things. Okay. All right. But yes, the answer is yes. Could be three games in uh, Sop Choppy. That's fine. Let's go. Let's roll on over to Sop Choppy, everybody. That's close enough. Tuesday's football practice. I'll tell you about it. Next, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Those locally just heard the uh, ad for my friends. At Hamilton Home Loans, the legendary team, Chad and Shen. Make sure everybody gets it on the podcast and the obviously the War Chant TV feed. We've got everybody involved here as uh, Hamilton Home Loans legendary team, Chad and Shen, and make it so much easier for you. From a speed standpoint, simplicity standpoint, and of course a service standpoint, it's not an intimidating process. It's an opportunity to learn and get the best possible deal. Great rates, cutting edge technology, transparent communication. You want a five star mortgage experience? Call my friends at Hamilton Home Loans. That's Chan, uh, Chad and Shannon, legendary team there. You can give a call today, 844 FSU Loan. 844-FSU-LOAN. If you call and you talk to them, they're going to talk football with you. That's cool. You can say, well, I was just listening to the Jeff Cameron show, and he was talking about you guys. And he said this about practice yesterday. Yeah, they're just chatting up. Next thing you know, boom, I got a home loan. Just like that. 844-FSU-LOAN. FSUHomeLoans.com website. FSUHomeLoans.com. Practice sucked yesterday, uh, in my estimation. I didn't feel like uh, they were sharp at all. And uh, that was confirmed when I asked Coach after practice, the very first 
question was, uh, was it commonplace to have a practice like this, uh, what I describe as a lackluster practice, after a scrimmage? And he used that as an opportunity to talk about not being common, trying to do something that is uncommon. And I think he's right. I think he probably expected it. I, I, it is fairly common to see sort of um, a lull after the intensity of a scrimmage. Uh, everybody ratchets up their level of intensity. You can tell people that you have to be that way on a daily basis, how you go about your life, but no human being can live that way. You can't be on edge all the time. You cannot be hyper-focused 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It is human nature that you're building to a place. That's why Saturday game days are so much more intense, obviously, with more on the line than a Wednesday practice. So you're going to be at a different level, both emotionally both in focus and intensity, uh, when there is something to be gained or lost, something tangible that day, that that night, whatever it might be, in the case of the scrimmage that morning, um, jobs are on the line, and guys know that when that when the lights come on, for lack of a better term, that they're being judged more harshly, more critically. Uh, more intently than they were on Tuesday during drills. And so they got to get to a place. All these guys have to get to a place. Well, then there's a natural come down. You'd like to think that if you scrimmage on a Saturday, the Sunday-Monday buffer between the next practice is enough for you to have come down and then get back up. That's what coaches are hoping for. And to be sure, they get back up to a certain level, but not the level that he was hoping for. And I understand when he says, look, we walked out of that scrimmage thinking we're pleased with what our guys know. You know, on display was a level of understanding in the scrimmage. Now, everybody thinks about the physical. Everybody thinks about the run fast, jump high, hit hard, all of that. Execute a pass, make a guy miss, whatever it might be. The things that that, that make up a football game that we remember. Uh, but coaches are also looking to to be sure that their players understand what is being asked of them within the context of the position they play, the segment group, obviously, and or the scheme, uh, certainly what the coaches have taught up to that point. So I thought it was interesting and rewarding and, uh, I think, a positive, even amidst this negative that yesterday's practice was described as, that he said, hey, look, I walked off the field after the scrimmage feeling very good about what our guys know. The reason, and, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here for him because I, I think I really got why he was mad. The reason he was upset about yesterday's practice was that when you showcase that level of knowledge on the field that you can play under intense scrutiny, scrutiny and with real speed and passion and violence and still execute scheme as it's been taught, technique, as it's been taught, that means you have no room to take a step backwards. You, We now know under the harshest conditions that you understand what is tasked of you. So don't be BSing around on a Tuesday and revert back to pre-scrimmage where you're technical and you're learning and you're soaking it in and digesting. Play fast. I know you know. You proved you know. Now play fast. Play faster. Execute. Faster, 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 so that the games become easy. He wants it to be that the games are the easiest thing you do during the week. All coaches say that. 
It's true. If you do something so repetitively, so often, so frequently, and in this case, violently, intensely, all those things, then you get out there on a football field, things slow down, it gets easier for you. And yesterday, they reverted back to half-stepping a little bit. The camp, I think, has been a raging success. It sounds like the coaches do, too. Yesterday, frankly, may have been their worst day. May have been their worst day. It sounds like it. We were both there. We watched the practice. Our observations, not a coach's observation, but our observations were that they were very intentional, very slow. Um, it took too long to get set up, play to play. I didn't think they executed at a high level, my opinion there. We don't always know what the call is on the field. I concede that sometimes things can look like they're not executed, but not knowing what the defensive call was or what the read was on every play, you, you can't always be sure. But my view of what we saw was a lack of execution and uh, a slower practice than we were accustomed to seeing. Yeah, it's lack of urgency. You know, the one thing that was different yesterday was they had officials for the first time in camp, that at least I've noticed. And I've been to every single one that's viewable by the public or by the media, excuse me, not the public. Um, so maybe there were some extra instructions on how to line up or they're double-checking with officials to make sure that the things that they've been doing for weeks are correct. But I would imagine they had officials at the scrimmage anyway. So, you know, that's only part of the excuse. But in multiple drills, whether it's offensive and defensive lines or working with scout team players and then you got seven-on-seven on on the left, Mm -hmm. I've been watching the trenches a lot. I mean, laborious between each rep. And you're oh, going, you ask those on. guys, big dudes to hold a stance that long? Yep, yep. It's brutal. You're not going to get uh, guys firing off the ball when they've been in a three-point stance for 30 seconds. Right, and then it bled over to 11-on-11s, which they you know interspersed throughout the day. Depending upon the day, it's not always the same sequence of events, but we saw that in the beginning, which you always see, at the end, which is always there, but in the middle portion as well. And a couple of times, guys were flagged. And it's like, well, of course they are. That, I, that's a frustration of mine in the course of a game, in the flow of a game. If you're going to run hurry up, then you shouldn't be snapping the ball with five seconds left in the play clock. Right, let's go. Because these poor dudes, especially the interior offensive linemen, are just waiting and waiting, and it's one little flinch and you're done? So that was yesterday. But it was their worst day to me. It was their worst. And if that's their worst, then I feel a hell of a lot better than I did last fall camp. You know, I think, Tom, there's a couple things here to to point out. I, I continue to be very, very impressed uh, with the ability of Tate Rodemaker to, to, to hit people in the middle of the field. He exposes and completes and makes plays over the middle of the field better than Jordan Travis does, period. And it leads me to believe that if this offensive line were really good, as in you could trust them to provide a safe pocket and plays to develop, Tate Rodemaker would have a legitimate chance to win the job. But that offensive line is not going to do that. So all things being equal, you're going to need Jordan Travis's ability to buy time. Now, to be sure, Jordan has a different skill set that Tate does not. And you couldn't ask Tate to try to execute plays outside the pocket in the same manner that Jordan does. So there's a point-counterpoint there. I'm just saying, ideally, I would think almost every offense in an ideal situation with proper protection wants to be able to make you defend the entirety of the field. And Tate does that better. 
Yeah, he does. But I would say that Tate is not punchless on the run, and Jordan is not punchless over the middle. That's it's just fair. that these are distinct strengths and, and weaknesses. Correct. It's not that they cannot do the other Correct. thing. Because Tate on the run has made some plays this camp, too. Sure. Well, rolling he's, out. he's an athletic guy. There's no getting yeah. around that. He's not a statue. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about 40 yard scrambles because of a protection <laughs> or, you know, uh, somebody no. got out of their lanes. I'm just talking about rolling out and throwing the football. But I, one thing for Jordan yesterday that's frustrating, and you don't want to mention a player because that probably violates the spirit of practice, but catch the ball. You know, there's quite a few situations where he's doing enough, and it's right up that seam or in between the seams, and it's, hey, man, let, let this pay off for your quarterback. It was just, it was contagious yesterday. There was a lot of malaise. But I'm sure tomorrow is going to be quite spirited. Well, it'll have to be because, obviously, uh, it's going to be expressed to them in no uncertain terms that 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 Thursday has to be better. I mean, he sent the message yesterday immediately following practice. Um, we saw position groups getting a little extra attention after practice. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think that uh, you'll see a more spirited and better effort tomorrow. I just want to continue to watch growth. I, I need I, – both those guys have room to grow, both quarterbacks that are in the mix. And, and you know, listen, it's Jordan Travis's job. I get it. I'm just pointing out that Tate's come a long way, and I'm pointing out that he has a skill set that if they were able to protect him – he could take advantage of certain areas of the field more effectively. I need Jordan to get to that place where I say that about him as well. It's important for the viewers and listeners of this show to realize who's saying that too, that you're saying that, mm-hmm. that Tate's come a long way. And you're saying so without a, a doubt, not oh, hemming and hawing. That, that, yeah, yeah. But that's important. Unequivocally. Right, because you were unequivocally the other way until this new evidence presented itself this camp. So that's yeah. he's changed your mind in short. Well, I just wish I could see a scrimmage, though. I, I w- right, The spring right. game will give us a better idea. Now, I hate that it all boils down to that, but given past experience and the context clues, you've got to look at a guy that has had great practices, but I need you to show me in a game-like situation where there's a measure of pressure, whether that be a scrimmage or a spring game, that you're going to make those same decisions and throws on time. What I like about where he's grown up is there's, a, there's no more indecision. More often than not, when that back foot on the final step of a drop hits, the ball is coming out. There is not a, Now, yesterday they both were disjointed for a variety of reasons, but the the that back foot hits you got to throw the ball and that's an area that Jordan needs to get better because sometimes when that back fit, foot hits now I get it because when you have the skill set that he has where you know nobody one on one if you see him if you see him nobody one on one is going to get you down it's easy not to get rid of the ball but I just he's got to get better at that hour number two fourth coming stay with us Jeff Cambridge on ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 